Part two of the Road Past Kennesaw, the Atlanta Campaign of 1864 by Richard Manning McMurray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part two to the Etowah. South of the Ustanala, steep ridges and heavy woods give way to gently rolling hills with only a light cover of vegetation. The area was almost without defensible terrain and thus afforded a great advantage to Sherman, whose larger forces would have more opportunities for maneuver than they had found in the mountainous region to the north. Once across the Ustanala, Johnston sought to make a stand and draw the Federals into a costly assault. He expected to find a favorable terrain near Calhoun, but in this he was disappointed, and during the night of May 1617, he led the Confederates on southward toward Adairsville. The Federals followed, Sherman dividing his forces into three columns and advancing on a broad front. There were skirmishes all along the route during the 16th and 17th, but the main bodies were not engaged. At Adairsville, Johnston again hoped to find a position in which he could give battle, but there, too, the terrain was unsuitable for defense, and the Confederate commander was forced to continue his retreat. As he fell back, however, Johnston devised a stratagem that he hoped would lead to the destruction of a part of Sherman's forces. There were two roads leading south from Adairsville, one south to Kingston, the other southeast to Cassville. It seemed likely that Sherman would divide his armies so as to use both roads. This would give Johnston the opportunity to attack one column before the other could come to its aid. When the Southerners abandoned Adairsville during the night of May 1718, Johnston sent Hardee's corps to Kingston while he fell back toward Cassville with the rest of his army. He hoped that Sherman would believe most of the Southerners to be in Kingston and concentrate the bulk of his forces there. Hardy would then hold off the Northerners at Kingston, while Johnston, with Polk and Hood, destroyed the smaller Federal column at Cassville. Sherman reacted as Johnston hoped, ordering McPherson and the bulk of Thomas's army toward Kingston, while sending only Schofield and one corps of Thomas's army along the road to Cassville. On the morning of May 19, Johnston ordered Hood to march along a country road a mile or so east of the Adairsville-Cassville Road and form his corps for battle facing west. While Polk attacked the head of the Federal column, Hood was to assail its left flank. As Hood was moving into position, he found northern soldiers to the east. This was a source of great danger, for had Hood formed facing west, these Federals would have been in position to attack the exposed flank and rear of his corps. After a brief skirmish with the Northerners, Hood fell back to rejoin Polk. Johnston, believing that the opportunity for a successful battle had passed, ordered Hood and Polk to move into a new line east and south of Cassville, where they were joined by Hardy, who had been pushed out of Kingston. Johnston formed his army on a ridge and hoped that Sherman would attack him there on May 20. As usual, the southern commander was confident of repulsing the enemy. That night, the Confederate leaders held a council of war. Exactly what happened at the council is a matter of dispute. According to Johnston, Polk and Hood reported that their lines could not be held and urged that the army retreat. 
believing that the fears of the corps commanders would be communicated to their men and thus weaken the army's confidence johnston yielded to these demands even though he thought the position to be defensible according to hood whose recollection of the council differs markedly from johnston's he and polk told johnston that the line could not be held against an attack but that it was a good position from which to move against the enemy johnston however was unwilling to risk an offensive battle and decided to fall back across the etowah no definite resolution of this dispute is possible but most of the available evidence supports hood's version of the conference certainly johnston was not obligated to allow the advice of subordinates to overrule his own judgment the responsibility for abandoning the cassville position rests on the southern commander during the night the confederates withdrew across the etowah as they fell back their feelings were mixed they had lost a very strong position at dalton and had fallen back from rosaka calhoun and adairsville now they were retreating again under cover of darkness that morning as they prepared for battle their spirits had been high now their disappointment was bitter although morale would revive in the next few days many southern soldiers would never again place as much confidence in johnston's abilities as they once had by contrast morale in the federal ranks soared in a short time of campaigning the northerners had driven their enemy from one position after another sherman was satisfied with the progress his armies had made and after learning that the confederates were south of the etowah he decided to give his men a short rest on may twenty one of the northern generals summarized the situation in a letter to his wife thus far our campaign has succeeded though it must be confessed the rebels have retreated in very good order and their army is still unbroken our hard work is still before us we are still fifty-three miles from atlanta and have to pass over a rugged country we will have some bloody work before we enter that place new hope church the region south of the etowah was one of the wildest parts of north georgia the area was sparsely settled hilly heavily wooded and in eighteen sixty four little known and poorly mapped sherman expected to push through this region with little delay on may twenty three he wrote the etowah is the rubicon of georgia we are now all in motion like a vast hive of bees and expect to swarm along the chattahoochee in a few days his optimism was ill-founded for the rough terrain and heavy rains favored johnston's smaller force and helped delay the federal advance for five weeks johnston posted his army around alatoona pass a gap in the high hills south of the etowah through which the railroad ran on its way southward to marietta he had again occupied a strong position hoping that sherman would attack it the federal commander however aware of the natural strength of the terrain was determined to avoid a direct assault and crossed the river to the west where the country was more open dallas a small town about fourteen miles south of the river and about the same distance west of the railroad was the first objective the northerners began their advance on the twenty third mcpherson swung far to the west through van vert and then moved eastward toward dallas thomas was in the center moving via stilesboro and burnt hickory schofield was on the left closest to the etowah the day was hot and the men suffered greatly from thirst 
Nevertheless, the Federals made progress toward their objective, and on the 24th were closing in on Dallas. Confederate cavalry soon discovered Sherman's movement, and Johnston took steps to meet it. By evening of the 24th, the Southerners held a line east of Dallas, which ran from southwest to northeast. The key to the position was a crossroads at a Methodist church named New Hope. Hood's corps held this part of the line. Polk and Hardee were to his left. On May 25, some troops of Thomas' army ran up against Hood's line at New Hope Church. In a late afternoon battle, fought under dark skies and rolling bursts of thunder, Thomas' men made a series of gallant assaults against the southern line. The Federals met a withering hail of bullets and shells that quickly halted each advance. In this short engagement, Thomas lost about 1,500 men. The Confederates suffered little during the battle and were elated at their success. Sunrise on the 26th found both commanders working to position their men in the woods east of Dallas. Except for skirmishing, there was little fighting during the day. On the following day, Sherman attempted to defeat the right of the southern line by a surprise attack. In a battle known as Pickett's Mill, the Northerners were hurled back with about 1,500 casualties. For the Federals, this engagement was one of the most desperate of the campaign. One company of the 41st Ohio Regiment lost 20 of its 22 men. The 49th Ohio carried slightly over 400 men into the battle and lost 203 of them. The commander of another regiment wrote that he lost a third of his men in the first few yards of the advance. The rebel fire swept the ground like a hailstorm, wrote another Unionist, adding, This is surely not war, it is butchery. A third northerner noted in his diary that evening, Our men were slaughtered terribly. Two brigades of infantry were almost cut to pieces. The southerners lost about 500 men. Over the next few days, fighting continued almost incessantly. Both sides made assaults with strongly reinforced skirmish lines, seeking to hold the enemy in position. This type of combat was very tiring on the men. One soldier wrote after a night battle, Oh, God, what a night! They may tell of hell and its awful fires, but the boys who went through the fight at Dallas are pretty well prepared for any event this side of eternity. The days spent in the jungles near New Hope Church were among the most arduous of the war for the soldiers of both armies. In addition to the normal dangers of combat, the men had to undergo unusual physical hardships. Rain, heat, constant alarms, continuous sharpshooting, the stench of the dead, the screams of the wounded, and a serious shortage of food all added to the normal discomforts of life in the field. One federal soldier described the time spent near Dallas as probably the most wretched week of the campaign. Another wrote of it as a wearisome waste of life and strength. A third northerner, referring to an unsuccessful foray against the Confederate lines, wrote, We have struck a hornet's nest at the business end. So severe had the fighting been that Sherman's men would ever afterward refer to the struggle around New Hope Church as the Battle of the Hell Hole. When it became clear that no decisive battle would be fought at Dallas, Sherman gradually sidled eastward to regain the railroad. 
on june three advance elements of the federal forces reached the little town of ackworth and within a few days almost all the northern troops were in that general area sherman had outmaneuvered johnston and bypassed the strong confederate position at alatoona but he had not seriously weakened his opponent once again the federal commander ordered a short halt to rest his troops and allow time to repair the railroad and for reinforcements to arrive end of part two